Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. The outpost is 30 miles over those hills. Let's move out. Who are we babysitting this time? Not a who, a mansion. Yowza, yowza, yowza. It's bigger than my whole neighborhood in Queens. It's supposed to be a big deal when the 82nd Airborne came through and pushed out the Nazi high command. This is a life question. You hear that? Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 278, releasing on July 17 in virtual cinema screenings, on demand and digital is Ghosts of War, a World War II set horror movie that pits a group of American soldiers against, against unsettled spirits in a haunted house movie that proves to be both frightening and original. Starring a fine cast of young established talent and featuring a clever script, Ghost of War is sure to be one of the most talked about films of the year. Joining me now is the writer and director of Ghost of War, Eric Bresk. Eric, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Matt. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Uh, not at all. This is, when I saw the trailer for this film, I thought to myself, what a really original kind of concept. You have these two very distinct genres. You have the World War II movie, the Haunted House movie, you mash them together. Um, such a really clever way of going about things. How did you really come up with the idea to merge these two, as I said, very distinct subgenres? Uh, people wouldn't ever think to put them together, but you did. How did that idea come about? You know what? I think there's always been this worm crawling around my brain ever since I saw the movie Platoon. Hmm. And there's a scene where Charlie Sheen's character is awake while all of his uh, other platoon are asleep and some people start creeping through the trees the enemy and the guy that was supposed to be on watch has fallen asleep and at that point it was a horror movie uh, there, <coughs> the boogeyman was in the woods there was somebody hidden in the shadows breathing heavily completely powerless to do anything but watch as they came closer and closer and i and it just hit me then like all war movies are horror movies at some point, depending on the perspective of what is happening to the character. And uh, so that, like, lingered around for, geez, I don't know, 25 years. I'm trying to remember, did Platoon come out in 86, I think, maybe? Yep. So maybe for, yeah, so for, for that long, it's just, I don't know. They always kind of seemed one and the same. I mean, what could truly be, once you take away the glory um, and the thrills of war what could be more horror <laughs> horrific and terrifying than that and i always thought i'd really love to see a horror movie with soldiers because uh, to me that the mashup seems a lot closer than people think it's just um we are we we live in a world where most haunted house movies involve a home that you recognize you're familiar with and a family that you're familiar with and i just thought boy i just i'd love to see it come out a little differently well platoon was based in world war two uh, during vietnam and your movie um ghost of war is in world war two and it's really interesting that world war two set movies they're still made at a very kind of routine click 
Um, what do you think it is about that war, World War Two? Do you think appeals to filmmakers um, to keep creating these movies over and over based in that time period? I, you know, I mean, if I had a guess, I would say that that, to me, growing up American, that was the pure war. Mm. That was the clearest evil versus good war that that I can even recall. Uh, you, the, you knew who the enemies were. They had swastikas. And we're going to stop them from taking over. I mean, that was pure. By the time Vietnam happened, it was already steeped in controversy. Kennedy had been shot. Uh, there was there was so much just uprising and civil unrest in America at that time, and I just think there's a whole different cultural stain with that war. That I think when Platoon came out, it was it was only twenty years away. We're all really like yeah, like twenty years away from um, Oliver Stone's experience. Um, now I think it's easier to go to World War Two because it's it's just more clearly defined as in who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. And it doesn't feel maybe so uncomfortable as taking the more modern wars and, and looking through that lens. Something that Ghosts of War really struck me is that when I was watching it, and I watch a lot of films, I review a lot of them, I watch a lot of them just for recreational, just, just to watch films, is that it's an original uh, in these days, that's not something you see a lot. Everything's an adaptation. Everything's a remake. Everything's a sequel. Um, Eric, is it is it difficult to try to get an original movie made in an industry that really embraces the familiar so often? Yeah, and you have to have a script that is compelling and gets a producer excited enough that they are going to take that script, which weighs 10,000 pounds, and carry it up a mountain against all the storm raining down around them in order to get the financing studio approval to get it made. Because you're absolutely right. If, if this were called the Lego movie part four, it would have been greenlit overnight. If it were based on some famous IP or a child's toy, it could get greenlit overnight um, or a book. But this was definitely trickier. And, you know, I take my hat off to the producers who worked so hard um, in the battle that is getting a film made at all. I mean, it is tough. Um, I'm always impressed, actually. Anytime, you know, I mean, the Internet is full of toxicity and critique. But anytime I see a horror movie has gotten made, edited, cut out there in the world, I, you know, I take my hat off to it because it is such a hard road uh, to take, and I don't think people realize that it is it is a monumental achievement. No matter what you may think of that particular film, the fact it got made is like running ten marathons uh, day after day. Yeah, most definitely. Um, your script is is terrific, and I think that's why you have such a great cast. And, and just to mention some name stars: Brendan Thwaites, um, Theo Rossi, Carl Garner, Skylar Aston. Um, when you watch them on screen together. Um, these are actors around the same age range. You can really sense a kind of camaraderie among them as well, which is exactly what you want in your squad of soldiers in your film. Every time I, I, I listen to interviews based in war movies, I keep hearing stories about pre-production boot camps, etc., to get like that com- camaraderie going before shooting began. Anything similar like that happened with this film, Eric? Yeah, I, the, the guys were all 
staying at the same, you know, we made sure everyone was at the same hotel and that they were bonding. And we spent a lot of time talking through the characters and, and talking through the film. We had a consultant who was a Navy SEAL who came out and showed them the weaponry and, you know, how to, how to clear a room, how to walk, how to carry, how do you, do you use a two-point sling or a three-point sling? Is this a, how do you, hard do you pull your charger on your rifle? Like every, down to the minutia and using all the original weapons of the day. And also had to keep in mind in, in going through that, that even though this consultant is a Navy SEAL, we're talking about World War II. Hmm. So it was different. It wasn't the slick on-screen cinematic stuff that we see today. It was it was definitely more, you know, kids who had gone through boot camp and then were had been winging it for so long, they may have come up with their own style. So some of these actors had worked together on previous things. I was surprised that a lot of them knew each other from the past, which really helped me a lot because I want them to have that familiarity. I want them to, you know, just not walk coldly onto a set and just say lines. I mean, that's every dream. And like you were saying, um, I've heard stories that the cast of Fury had to each get into a fist fight with one another hmm. bef- during pre-production in or- as a bonding exercise. Um, I don't even know if that's true. It's just one thing creeping through the ether that you hear about. Uh, I was not prepared to have my cast beat the shit out of each other, but um, they already came with a certain camaraderie, and some people have said uh, making movies is war, and, you know, these guys were in it, you know, from from the get-go, from their first costume fitting and the mud and the blood, you know, luckily they they really fell right into their roles. Pivotal to a, a haunted house movie is the house itself. It's it, to use in basketball terms, it's kind of like the six man. It comes off the bench. It's it's a character in its own. It it contributes uh, mightily to the overall feel of a movie. Um, your film has this really kind of great mansion um, set in the middle middle of Nazi occupied France. How much of this place is real? How much of it of, is a set? Because it's, it really is quite an imposing and, and really kind of uh, uh, intimidating um, uh, presence in, in the in the film. Well, I don't want to pull back the curtain too far on that, but I will say that, uh, well, I'll just say, because if you're listening to this, you you deserve to know the truth. Uh, The exterior um, was all real. It was actually a castle in Bulgaria, and the interior, which is now a mansion, it was where the king of Bulgaria lived, um, and still lives, but uh, the main house is turned into a mansion, and he lives off to the side, but it is... Very imposing, especially when dressed up to look <laughs> spooky. And um, the interior was done by the amazing Antonello Rubino. Uh, he's the production designer, and he and I worked on what we wanted out of the shoot. You know, we we wanted a long tracking shot that could take us through the entire mansion in one fluid take just to lay out the geography at the beginning of the film so that you kind of get your uh, sense of where everything is as the film unrolls. But uh, yeah, that set was, was built, but it, it's so fantastic that, I mean, the paint is aged and chipping. And I mean, <laughs> the, there were such craftsmen there that you would never know, no matter how brought, close you brought the camera to a wall or a piece of furniture, it was like you were in 1944. 
No, I, I thought it was just a terrific um, uh, set piece myself. It looked awesome and it works so well you know, with the story as well. Um, the This is the first film that you've done uh, as a director, um, director since 2004 with, with The Butterfly Effect. And I was really curious, when when you look back at each, each time, before that you were a screenwriter, um, when you look back in your time as a, as a director on that film compared to the work you were doing on Ghosts of War, what lessons do you bring um, from your first feature as a director to this film some 16 years later? Yeah, when uh, my partner then and I, writing and directing partner, Jay McKay Gruber, uh, worked on the effect, you paid attention, you would notice this. The camera doesn't move in the first 10 minutes of the movie. It's locked down. Then from minute 10 to 15, we slowly introduce dolly moves. Then the dolly moves get bigger. Then something happens at 45 where everything shifts to steady cam. And then something happens at 60 where everything is handheld, naturalistic, like a documentary. And we were very rigid to those rules. Uh, and now I'm just talking as a director speaking of the cinematography, this had an equally challenging roadmap because it's a bit of a mashup. And, the, and I, want, I wanted people to feel like in the first part of the movie, they're watching Saving Private Ryan mm. for, te, you know, for 10 minutes. You should feel familiar with the genre, with the, with the color palette, the, the how much is handheld, how much is on a techno crane style but then when we get to a mansion well it's got to change because if you watch the shining all of those lockdown shots give the place itself an omnipotence a, a, a sense of dread it's like you've removed the human handheld experience from the camera and now something more powerful is showing us what's happening on screen and so equally throughout this film there is a cinematic roadmap that sort of helps in transitioning between the genres and then blending them together as the haunted house movie goes off the rails a little bit and things get even more surreal uh, and just keeping the, the cinematic language of camera and lighting, keeping the audience connected to the characters first and then the experience that they're having so that they are connecting on a visceral level with what the characters are going through in the film. Well, um, just like The Butterfly Effect, I really do think that Ghost of War is going to be one of those films that's going to last for a very long time. It's going to move on from generation to generation because I think it's a film that's going to have people talking. It's going to have people do repeated watches. I had to watch it a couple of times myself. And um, to me, the second time is just as good as the first. And Eric Bress, I just congratulate you on the movie and for everyone else out there. Uh, July 17, On Demand, Digital, Ghost of War. I really recommend everyone check it out. And Eric, thank you for your time, and congratulations again with the movie. Thanks again so much, Matt. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you watched it twice. <laughs> and yes, sir. It time. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you.